0: Spangus. Say, he mi ni, he just to lean to
1: mind and combalina, racha-chacha, umalacha, all of our That means we're glad to be here. We're really glad to be here. Ladies and
2: gentlemen, children too. Here's
1: five boys to do a show for you. We're to turn on-
2: we
1: yeah. You know we're glad to be. Here. Yeah, we're really glad to be here. We really glad to be here. Turn all around, we're gonna touch the ground. We're gonna shim jam, shimmy all around. We're gonna shim jam, shimmy all over the stage. We're gonna shim jam, shimmy shimmy 'til we
2: get faith, We're gonna wear our pants above our knees. We're gonna shake this stage just to please because we're glad to be here. You know
1: we're glad to be here.
2: Side to side, to the back,
0: to the front, from a side to side. Hey, just meeny, distalina, you will mind a ratchet, chatchet, puma, alabaloo. That means it's nice to have been here. Really nice to have been
1: here.
3: See you once again here. We are. And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard Lee Andrews and the Hearts with Glad to be here. Lee Andrews and the Hearts. Hmm, old school Philly doo-wop. Who's from Philly but Questlove of the Roots? Could Questlove of the Roots dad be Lee Andrews? Yes. That was Questlove of the WAP Walk and Roll Group's dad, Lee Andrews, with Glad to Be Here. And today on an Nerdwater Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Questlove of the Roots from Philadelphia. And we'll ask him about his dad's band, Lee Andrews and the Hearts, and we'll also ask him about a whole other whack of stuff regarding hip-hop history, including was this record, Michael Viner's Bongo Rock, the Bible of Rap, really from Canada, well it was from Canada, and I'm just going to like force that on Questlove. I've asked other people, but they don't believe it, but it actually was recorded in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. This is Michael Viner's Bongo Rock, Ground Zero for Hip Hop, was recorded at Can Base Studios in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You may have heard it recently on a Nas sample, but... He- Here's Apache from Michael Viner's Bongo Rock, the foundation of hip-hop from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, recorded in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and in a couple more records of the Philly style, and in an interview with, from Philadelphia, Questlove of The Roots.
2: Don't miss. And that's the truth, I walk with a colon, I don't say it, I'm a straight up pimp, and if you ever want to try me, you better come right, I'm a real hustler, I put my hands up to fight, I'm hanging on the ad, you see things, learn from the old heads, noise the street kids nice, I can't get enough, cause I'm a winner, and as suck as I fuck, I like to drive my car, because no one knows who's inside, because I got ten the windows, I'm on the prowl for the prey, cops want to stop me, hey, let the hustlers play. Just for a special kind of guy With the dough, tying a fat knot Hiding in the stash with the hundreds on top Keeping the supply of what they call rhymes I be killing them, and never throwing time Cause I'm a hustler, boy, I just got it American Express, fees in the wallet Get what I want, whether cash or charge It doesn't matter, cause I'm living large, Straight from the avenue, clocking the revenue Tattling the beamer, bringing it to you It's no game to hustle, brother You gotta live it, or else shit can smother I can tell you because I know 18 years on the scene and got a lot to show. E-Barbers is a hustler. Cho-Cho is a hustler. Tap Money is a hustler. Steady B is a hustler. Now let the hustlers play.
0: Now you can feel all the tension building up at the convention as the hustlers began to
2: arrive. Must the been board more that came to the door. Yeah. The time was 11.55. Yeah. Yo, now we gonna let
3: you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the to Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard from Philadelphia, Steady B with Let the Hustlers Play, and before that, Dueling Banjos by Michael Viner's incredible bongo band, not Apache. And before that, Lee Andrews and His Hearts from Philadelphia. And that's Questlove of the Roots' dad's doo band from the 1950s. And today on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Questlove of the Roots. But before the interview with Questlove of the Roots, some more Philly music. Right now, we will have a little bit of Three Times Dope from... Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and then an interview with from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, The Roots. Well, I'm saying I'm coming
2: to my own, and I've shown I can rock the microphone and rock stage or people rock.
3: I I
0: the, the wrong one. We got my man Chuck Nice. We got me, the E to the S. We got my man DJ Wood, y'all. And this is certified everybody out there who like the bump, dope music. We got more. Hold up, hold up, man, stop, yo. I'm tired as balls. Y'all keep messing up. Take two. Go. And um, i like to give a stupid shout-out to my man, Terrence Smith. Word. He began with his on this boy, right. but he didn't quite make it to the end, Big Daddy. And always like right. to say we love him and respect him as a black man. God bless his soul. Yeah. Right. My man, Chuck, nice what? in the studio back there. i like to start right. out by giving shouts out to everybody down with the society and everybody down with the right. Legion of Doom. Come on, man. Dang i wanted like to give a shout out to everybody in the society Loudly loud and happy hot wizard My man is Mad Ice the Maniac Maestro J1's the rep keeping it in step Big Cat Nicholas 1 Chucky Oh No Chucky Go Go Um, DJ <laughs> Nicholas 1 So what about Doobie? fuck dude? The- right. <laughs> <It's laughs> like, nah, my man Doobie, my romance. Do you know what I'm saying? He always down with us, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yo. Hey, hey, what are you going to do? Yo, but, um, <laughs> Dominique 1- the Frick, y'all. Just like, like, you know what I'm saying, Dominique the Frick. But, um... Everybody out there in act Nicholas Lane, know what I'm saying. At- oh, Quine, okay. My man Kwame the Bone Age Lord. Right. And um lies in your lip though. Um, <laughs> everybody out there just appreciate live music, you know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing technology. Who? Tat Tech. Money! Oh yeah, that's right, like my man Tat um didn't they use the messenger boy MC marshmallow. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Going on, man. <laughs> yo, yo, <They> on. <laughs> My man, sweet, man. My man, beefcake. Everybody, man. My man, love me hot and um, ain't think. You know, I just like to say, man. Right. Peace to everybody out there on the black r b radio stations and everybody right. across right. the right. globe. We almost right. out of here. Yo, it's yo. only yo. one right. more thing I like to say. Herbals in everybody's mouth who don't believe in act make Ness. of the press, words to be heard and openly expressed, come strong wax like Mr. Clean, you work and step off to see. Yeah. Rhythmic radiance giving that extra to make things look smooth. I have texture like a winter coat made of cashmere. I get foot loose and yo, I do what's sincere. Go style on the plate and vibrate the earth. Truth to what I do, to you get your money's worth. And when it's time to get minds with rhymes, I present. I do it like it's my last will and testament. testament. So don't try to slip on my song, it won't hit you. Puzzle, you're like ancient no scripture Wanna break it down, but you can't understand That if it's weak, I put it to sleep Call me a stand I wonder where the MCs are, they can't be far, so twinkle twinkle little star, star, show me where they hang on the street, so I can lay them all down to sleep, and if once you pass away before the breaks, I play to Mr. Act Nicholas who sold his tape, hey, through the line of unfortunate problems, tuck them in with a of money green pajamas. I get loose and kick a mother goose jingle Bring more gifts than old man Chris Kringle, Kringle I see you drinking pot after pot A Maxwell House, your eyes all bloodshot The fear of all afraid of my sinister plot For Mother Nature calls it, that's when you get got Young boy, you should've straight in the can So I could take a little nap You sad, call me salmon, salmon. with me, or get hard with me. Having the guard that think they can brawl with me. That's when I get dumber. dumber. No fight, no fuss, just sprinkle that shit and slumber. MC's when to play, they close, I play closest snap my hands now you're under hypnosis and here's what i want you to do is i sedate your mental state for a few ease back on rack take a load off jack combine your mind become one with the track what makes you call yourself a competition you're insomniac you watch too much television you're overdoing it you're nine to five it's like a cannibal and it's eating you alive indeed your screws need to be Titan. Now when I count the three, you'll awake and stop biting Choose two, then you will be your microphone sucker. Huh. You wanna bite, sleep tight, you sucker. Sucker stay dreamin' when good, my man. And if you do, you get another vision from the same. Now what I just said was straight into the point when I'm finished night, done, I'm out of this shit.
4: Who are you my name is who am i today okay today i am okay i'm always me uh quest love amir quest love thompson uh drummer of the legendary roots crew we can say that now that we're like 15 years old right
3: well i love the way you say legendary because everybody says legendary Roselle always said legendary like even a few years ago
4: yes the legendary roots crew
3: actually we we uh
4: came up with that moniker Courtesy of our, our friends in Canada, the Roots store, you know, because we couldn't sell merchandise this is the Roots because, you know, politics and da 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 da. so we became the legendary Roots crew. But we're the Roots, you know.
3: Questlove of the Roots, you're a great hip-hop historian, aren't you? I would like to think so, yeah. Could you please unlock this mystery for me, Questlove of the Roots? Here we have the Black Eyed Peas as gangsters. What can you tell me about the Whoa, Adaban this, clan? This is Puddles of ACO. This is the Black Eyed Peas? Oh, shit, yo. Oh, can I say that? I'm sorry. Could you please explain a bit about this? This was wow. the Black Eyed Peas wow. when they were gangster, right? I have five of these. I have I know this this is a very
4: distinct album cover. I did not know that I now have uh, a collector's item. Um, you know, hip hop goes through uh, many different phases. So, actually, uh I take that back. The Black Eyed Peas are very gangster. You you never heard about the uh, the Playboy Mali? You know, they were at the uh, Playboy Mansion and um somebody was playing a a prank on them. And have fake cops come and arrest him to take him out of a particular room. But, um, you know, they got so gangster. I'm going to tell you how gangster they got. That when I woke up the next morning, four time zones away, you know, because often, too often, they were like, "Uh, yo, you're the drummer in the Black Eyed Peas, right? That, That happens all the time. It's like, you know, all the boho bands get lumped together. That everybody was smiling at me the next morning when I got up in New York City going to the bodega. They were laughing. Like, yo! We heard what happened, man, yo. They shake my hand. After the fourth person I said, yeah, we heard what happened on the radio today. Y'all was at the Playboy Mansion, and then the cops came up, and then you sucker punched one of the cops, and then it was a riot up in that piece. And I was like, I wasn't at the Playboy Mansion. And the dude was like, wait, you're the Black Hot drummer, right?
3: However, there really is some gangsterisms with the Black Eyed Peas. What can you tell the people though? Adaband Clan. This is on Ruthless Records. This is Easy E having the Adaband Clan, which was early Black Eyed Peas, right? Questlove. Yes, it
4: was. I cannot believe. See, I'm... now you're going to force me go. And those fifty thousand records that I have in my house, there are five of these unopened. So I, I... wow. Okay, I'm glad you noticed that because I told this totally went <sighs> over my head. Are they really gangster on here?
3: Well, you'll have no to find th- out for
4: yourself. I don't see no... It's st- on Ruthless Records. But I don't see no sticker on here. It ain't gangster unless... It's, even our records have stickers on them, so, you know. This is going back, though. This I, is no, back to EZ. We was we stickering in 1994, but, you know, we're we going to check this one out, though.
3: Questlove of the Roots, on your brand new CD, which is stickered... Yes, very stickered. You do some sampling. In fact, I think you sample Michael Jackson. Now, how expensive was it to sample Michael Jackson or the Jackson Five? Um,
4: not that expensive because we sampled from their Motown catalog. Now, Michael Jackson, the uh, the mogul that he is, also owns the uh, the samples for the Sly and the Family Stone catalog that we sold.
3: Which have, you sampled as well on Game Theory?
4: Yeah, have uh, we so graciously have gone through? But um, the the cool thing about that situation is since we got real cool with the Sly Camp, um, those people have sort of, you know, talked to the publishing company, which is of course Michael Jackson owns, and told them to cut us a little break, you know, because you know Mike these days he needs some money, so you know don't don't take it from us because we don't have no money. So he he cut us a break. But uh, yeah, it was more it was more expensive. To pay Michael Jackson for the Sly songs that he owns, as opposed to the Jackson Five song that we sample
3: from. How about Radiohead and Public Enemy? You also sample them. How expensive was Radiohead? Um, you know what? Actually,
4: uh, Tom Tom did us a, a solid because actually, when we we went about it the the regular way, when you when you sample someone, you have your label and their publishing unit. Contact and call the other label publishing unit, and you know let their lawyers go at it, but because we got an immediate no from the publisher people because you know i I guess that was radiohead's policy, and so i I had to um scratch a few backs and sort of go the underhanded way and um you know i I know that the, the those guys are fans of the roots we've done a few shows with them over in Europe, so um it was it was really down to the last minute. Like we literally had an hour to go before pre- the pressing plant, and the whole thing was we the label said yeah, 59 minutes to get a yes from Tom York or else we're taking the song off the record and then printing up the record. So um, I tried for a half hour, didn't get an answer. I was on the treadmill, and then I, I got the call. Man, I felt like Rocky. I I went up to 20 miles an hour. I was running, you know. I was happy. So essentially. Tom York and his manager called. They were actually quite honored that, you know, that we even uh, knew they knew they were alive, quote, end quote. So, you know, it it was, uh, they cut us a brick.
3: Questlove, you're very industrious, but I think you're also very famous, too, for the roots. Uh, I don't know if, like, famous, like, fame... You come from a famous family. What I find is really interesting is your dad was in a band, yeah. Lee Andrews and the Hearts. These are some of his 45s, right? Yes, Try
4: the Impossible. This was uh, his, his last hit from uh, 1957. Oh, why do I? Yeah, we used to do... Like, when I grew up, I grew up in uh, an oldies doo-wop atmosphere. So, basically, this, this is the type of music. The music that you would see in Greece... Or American Graffiti or Laverne and Shirley or Happy Days, like do do do, do 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 You know, like that's the type of music I grew up with. Matter of fact, when I finally got in the first grade and we were talking about music, I thought that this music was contemporary music. So, you know, I'd be talking about Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers and Harvey and the Moon Glows. Kids are looking at me all stupid like, you know, well, I like Disco Duck by Rick D's and you know, so it it wasn't until later in life that I I discovered that this music was actually like 20 to 30 years before I was born, you know? And this
3: is your dad's music, Lee Andrews and the Hearts. Now, I want to emphasize they had big hits, like two huge hits in the 50s. 50s. Was your dad bigger than you? Um, I
4: mean, he was well-respected. See, I mean, there's a difference between I don't consider myself, like, famous or celebrity. Like, I think that Celebrity is when Your lifestyle Sort of supersedes what your talent is Like in other words Not not that I think that she has no talent But like If if you think of Lindsay Lohan Like you'll probably think of like Oh a crotch shot You know cause every three seconds There's another photo with a crotch shot You know if you think of Nicole Richie You'll think oh Okay I'm friends with the family So Uh you'll think the events in her life as opposed to a particular talent, you know? And whereas I think in in our case, we we get respect because people like our music. Like, no one's following me around in ShopRite looking to see if I brought sugar-free soda versus the, uh, the regular carbonated soda. You know, no one's going through my trash. No one wants to know if I broke up with Cameron Diaz this week. So, you know, he had just as much respect as I did, but more on a local level. I I kind of superseded him on an international level. But
3: but I look at Lee Andrews and the Hearts, and then I think about them having a big hit, two big hits in the fifties. Mm. Your dad must have done everything. Like he must have done the Apollo, must have done the package tours. It's incredible. What a resource. That's- your dad must have been for the rock and roll James Browning type stories. Um. Yeah, he's had a few. Like he pretty much. That's the environment
4: he brought me up in. Like, his era was the Apollo in New York, the uptown of Philadelphia, the Capitol in D.C., like, all those high-end chitlin' circuit venues. And then, you know, of course, 20 years, with any genre of music, whatever comes around goes around. So when I was born 20 years later, it was the same stuff, but in a package thing. Like, you know, there have been many a time when, like, I remember watching Jackie Wilson right before uh, he went into a coma, uh, in seventy-five, like I remember Dick Clark um throwing all these shows, Bowser from Sha Na, Na picking me up, uh, you know, when I was a, when I was a little kid and singing Good Night, Sweetheart, like all those things, like that was that was my, I claim doo-wop just like I claim hip-hop, classic hip-hop, you know.
3: Straight out of Philly, Questlove, and what can you tell me about these particular Philly classic? These are some important Philly bands, aren't they? Yeah, Frankie, Frankie Smith, Smith Double yeah. Dutch Bus. Was, yeah. What's important to this, Questlove?
4: Um, this pretty much, um, this is an important record. For starters, um, Frankie Smith, uh, not necessarily an MC's MC. Back when not rap was just a novelty thing, but Frankie Smith was world famous for bringing the Philly slang. The same slang that you hear Snoop slinging, you know, that whole, for shizzle my nizzle, yo, was a dizzle? Like, pretty much, this is the record that started it. Actually, Missy had sampled... This uh this particular record on uh, on uh, one of her hits was it's you know, it's a kizzle, mizzle, my kizzle, what's up, that's it's a kizzle, this is you know, that's it's a whole song with Izzle, you know. So pretty much Frankie Smith brought the Philadelphia lifestyle back when everything like we used to always say in Philly, like, yo, what's the dizzle, Yo, yo, what you what you doing to Nizzle? You know? No, I mean I gotta do my homework kizzle. You know, like, that's how we was talking in the late 70s and early 80s, and he basically just put that on record. That was double-decision talk right there. Um, Wow. Steady B. More Philly rock. Rap. This is a... Real gangster. This is Philly's first thug. Um, Steady B was... He was like a a street cat. He pretty much... um, He came up. His his uncle... uh, his uncle, uh, not Warren McGloon, but uh, Lawrence, oh Lawrence Goodman. Uh, Lawrence Goodman was uh, sort of like one of the first Suge knights of of the rap industry. He had an empire. He started a record in Philly called Pop Art Records, and he was the guy that started off MC Shan, Marley Mall, the uh, Roxanne Shante. He had, he had uh, uh, Craig G, the Juice Crew. The people you know now is the Juice Crew, also Biz Marquee. And he also put his nephew on, and they had a crew. And that crew consisted of Steady B, Cool C, um, and EST, and Three Times Dope. Um, but unfortunately, when when you're not coming into this injury, industry as a, a career-minded artist, um, tough times can come on you. Like, he had a little regional hit song called I'm Serious, he got respect from New York a little bit, just a little bit um, but unfortunately in 1996 him and Cool C and uh, another uh, cat from Philly, Snook Nook Snook Nook, say that 20 times without stuttering, Snook Nook uh, got involved with uh, in a, a, a botched armed robbery and um, unfortunately they had to murder a cop and now they are all three on death row Um, The Hillside Hustlers. Yeah, the Hillside Hustlers, yeah. But this is... They pretty much brought, like, Philly flavor. You know, if you... A lot of people want to credit, like, De La Soul for, like, the strange hairstyles. But Philly was... Philly's known for its beards. And in the early 80s, we were one of the first to do, like, just the craziest, craziest hairstyles. And this last group, the legendary Three Times Dope, they are also part of the... um, The Hillside Hustlers. This cat right here, EST, is one of the most... This is a Philadelphia legend right here. Actually, he has another second one. EST is now uh, making an awesome living as a songwriter. And he's uh, one of many songwriters that um, former root Scott Storch uh, uses. So when you see um, some of his credits, he wrote for Christina Aguilera... He wrote Me, Myself, and I for Beyonce, um, many of the countless stuff that Scott Storch does. He writes most of the lyrics, so he's making a good living. I don't know what's up with uh, Woody Wood and Chuck Nice, but he had, like this, this was like one of the first coolest groups from Philly. You know, this is like one of the groups that we wanted to pattern ourselves after. They were just cool, you know. Three times dope. They were three times dope. Indeed, they were.
3: And Chris Love of the Roots, you got to play behind MC Light. What was that like? Playing drums for MC Light. What's the importance of MC Light? I love the Lightster. She, I mean,
4: she's definitely like a legend. Like, to me, I, I was mad nervous, but, um, you know, we spoke on the phone two weeks before. And I was, I was very shocked and, and quite elated that she just, she let me have carte blanche. She let me figure out her little set and um, we're going to do something with her in the future. We're we're uh, trying to get a tour together.
3: She just killed it. This is at the VH1 Hip Hop Honors, and you're on drums and MC Lights rocks. She was incredible.
4: She was incredible. We're we're actually trying to build a tour around that and call it the uh, the Hip Hop Honors. Um, we're talking right now to organize three or four of the honorees and actually tour across the U.S. and Canada and maybe worldwide. We'll see what happens. But um, to me, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that loves the past. You know not scared of the future but sometimes you can't know where you're going unless you know where you came from how about little ease easy ease son what's little ease all about little ease in that little he's a, he's a big cat you know what i mean um i'm glad that him i'm glad that he was there to to sort of uh honor his father i didn't get to talk to him much um initially him and the game were supposed to do something together but uh that that fell through but He's not that little, he's, he's big now, he's not the little dude that used to be in the N.W.A. videos.
3: Questlove of, of the Roots, what can you tell me about the importance of The Meters and Amory?
4: Um, this particular song, Oh Calcutta, was the uh, the music, the backdrop music that uh, Amory used for one thing. Um, but even more important, you know, a lot of people always say like, oh man, music ain't the same that it, as, as it was back in the day. But I did my research, and you know what I discovered? I discovered that no matter what era we're in, people always are always referencing something else. Like, even if we were to go into a time machine and travel back to the 70s, if you were to look at the top of the charts, you wouldn't see this album at all. This was like an underground record, similar to uh, an MF Doom record. Only choice people knew about this group even in their heyday even during their time period but I mean they have big fans and Paul McCartney I know that he had them open a few shows for him Stevie Wonder was definitely a big fan but this is definitely probably one of the few bands that could rival James Brown in the absolute funkiness
3: How many times have they been sampled? How many times has the Amory Beat been sampled? The Amory Beat? That,
4: that particular sample uh, once maybe I heard uh it in an old ultra magnetic cut but a lot of people take a like a look a pie pie um this whole particular record is is damn near um sampleable if that's a word sample la that's our word for the day sample la anyway um pretty much their their whole their their first four records are pretty much uh standards for which ice cube uh De la Soul, Tribe, um countless. Like who is not in in classic early nineties hip hop taken from this group?
3: Questlove of the Roots, how do you not laugh when you're on stage? I laugh all the time. You crazy? That's what I was wondering, like with Dave Chappelle. Tell me about doing different strokes with Dave Chappelle and John Mayer. Um,
4: we were waiting that 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 came up by a fluke because um one of the cameras, we had like two cameras for that skit and one of them had broken down so we were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then we just broke out actually we broke out into if they show ever show the raw footage the raw footage has about Eight or nine TV themes. We we chose different strokes and the facts of
3: life, but we were doing the Jeffersons. We were doing Good Times. Now this isn't just you know you by yourself. Dave Chappelle and John Dave Mayer. Chappelle. Yeah, could you please set that up as a more John Mayer? I know beef with John Mayer. No, I mean you know like
4: the thing is, I think one of the greatest things that an artist can ever be is underestimated. You know that happened to me a lot in my early in my career. You know. A critic will come up and you know be real shocked if I use like a rock reference for something. You know, I'll talk about like uh, this one particular journalist was shocked that uh, I listened to physical graffiti by uh, Led Zeppelin, and I was like, why would you be shocked? Like even even if I wasn't a Led Zeppelin fan, the nature of how all these records got built strictly based on producers that have vast knowledge to grab any record that didn't belong in their parents record collection. Of course growing up, you got the fundamentals, you got James Brown, you got Earth Wind and Fire. But the way you would choose records to sample is you would just take some of the illest looking album covers and hope there was something obscure on it. You just buy every album and eventually you become you become a fan. Now I didn't necessarily sample those records for uh, particular rap records, but I still dug and brought those records so I could educate myself. And you know, as far as John Mayer is concerned, he got—he's talent. He's talent for days, man. I, I,
3: what a great skit, though! In the living room, doing different strokes doesn't get much better now. that. We were in the barbershop. We we were in a bar in a Harlem barbershop doing different strokes.
4: You to seeing the people that were like—they were just sitting there at the window like and you know, this is before Chappelle was a household word, so it was just like...
3: Questlove of the Roots. What was it like playing with a 50-piece orchestra, like you, Jay-Z, and a 50-piece orchestra? Uh, it was a challenge,
4: because... Was Questlove in control? Um, I was the centerpiece. Like, basically, the deal was the, um, the orchestra, that particular Hustle Symphony Orchestra came from London. And, you know... That particular unit had to follow the conductor. So I was controlling the conductor and controlling my unit. Like, I had my unit, which was the Illadelphonics, the six musicians. And then I also had the conductor of the Hustler Symphony Orchestra. So we had to have our own particular language when we were looking at each other, like this. And then, you know, i give her a pre-warning, and then she would give her orchestra a pre-warning. So... It was a little different because you have to think in terms, like whereas I could give my band a warning like, one, two, three, hit it, I would have to give her an eight an eight count warning. So um, if I wanted the orchestra to do something and our cue was coming up, I would have to count the eight for her, four for her, one, two, three, four, and then she would do the one, two, three, four for the orchestra. So... It's kind of weird thinking in fours for my band, but thinking in eights with her. It's, you know, but I'm, I'm a man who can juggle. That's why they hired me.
3: That's Were you juggling Jay-Z? How is Jay-Z doing during that? Does he have a good memory? How's Jay-Z's memory?
4: His memory is pretty awesome. You know, I, 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 for, I for a fact, I know that coming from a group who has a catalog as deep as ours, you know, seven, nine records, really, um... That's a lot of text to remember. That's a lot of text to remember. Um, You know, of course, you know your hits. But if you haven't touched a song in 14 years, and all of a sudden... You got to know it. You know, I I told him the key to studying, and I'm glad he studied. That's The the coolest thing about Jay-Z is that, A, he's not lazy. That rhymes. That's crazy. (laughs) No, he's he's not lazy. And, um... I told him, if you want to know all these songs, studies say that if you repeat anything 18 times in a row, it will instantly get committed to memory. So first he was like, oh man, I'll just do it like six times or whatever. No, but then he would forget certain things. I said, look, dude, if you do it 18 times in a row, we'll be straight. So we did a little schedule for like nine days before, four songs a day you know, three-hour rehearsal, take a break, three-hour rehearsal, take a break, and then that's how he committed to memory.
3: Now, how do you get somebody off stage, Questlove? You've done many jams, I'm sure, with a lot of different artists. When somebody's up on stage, what are some hints to kick somebody off? Like, you're behind the drums. How do you kick somebody off stage?
4: I have uh, a handler that has a big-ass hook. Um, no, I, I never had to. First of all, if anyone ever gets on stage with us, has anyone ever worn
3: out their welcome? Did you jam with Lionel Richie?
4: No, but I had. We had to kick Bushwick Bill off the stage once. Off the Kettle Boys. Yeah. Um,
3: what happened there? Were you performing in his hometown and he jumped up on stage? What happened?
4: No, last year at the Grammy Jam, uh, Bushwick Bill got on stage. Did my mind's playing tricks on me? And you know, usually if 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 another MC comes from a different environment, and then they come in our environment. The novelty of a band being able to play your stuff and make it sound like the record is such a mind-blowing experience that he basically just spent the whole first four minutes. Like, he couldn't even move. He just like, you know, it's like coming to New York City for the first time, and you come from a whole nother country. You just like... Push your bell. That's all he did. Well, was, uh, he was, you know, down here, you know. But, um... It, he was so happy, he wanted to do my mind's playing tricks on me like three times in a row. But, um, who came on? Oh, oh, yeah, Cannabis came and snatched the mic out of his hand. Like, you know, but Bushwick was so happy that he just let it slide, you know. Ha- sorry sorry for taking that mic from you.
3: Questlove of the Roots, did you jam with Lionel Richie?
4: Um, no, I was supposed to. Um, Jay-Z called me to, uh, I guess once a year they have uh, sort of like the the Def Jam retreat, in which they take their employees and morale boost them and take them to Vegas and showgirls and lights and you know here's our new artist Neo, you know. Well, I know that uh, when Lionel Richie first signed to the label, um, they wanted to do a thing where the Roots play behind Lionel Richie, but um, I think we had a gig that we actually we we're out the country so we couldn't make it, but.
3: Did you once buy a hundred tickets to go see Hannibal the movie? How'd you know about that? <laughs>
4: yeah um yeah th- this, that's that's I didn't but Santa quest did i I've, I've um it's in my nature to to do stupid family outings like i think I think the most important aspect of keeping a band together for ten years. Sometimes you guys have to have some sort of experience that doesn't require being on stage all the time. So um, I was particularly excited because I just finished the. We had taken a year off in 2000 to do other stuff to read the Brooklyn Babylon. I went on tour with D'Angelo, and um, we were kind of getting back in the field of things. And um, you know, I, I read the Hannibal book like two days in a row, and I really I was excited about it. So. Um, the day that it came out, I decided to go and buy out the whole theater. And um, we, we went to the last showing. Well, they actually gave us a, a private midnight showing. And um, unfortunately, I mean, everybody was like, like, asleep. I was the only one, like, it was like Michael Jackson in Thriller when he was like, <laughs> and everyone else was like.
3: But what a treat, you and your hundred closest friends.
4: Uh, my band and their friends and their friends and their friends and their friends. Anyone in the industry is instantly connected to about a hundred people.
3: Questlove of the Roots, winding up here, I'd like to ask you a bit about the importance of this fellow right here, Manny Fresh. Did this person invent bling? Wow. Wee, Wow. Wow You told us the history of Izzle What can you tell us about Manny Fresh This record and the history of Bling Well see I
4: actually have to Look at the songs because I never You you have officially stumped me Now this actually looks like Irv Gotti But Manny Fresh right here Is he blinging? He's not exactly blinging But Okay this must be 86 because he's uh, Rocking a stopwatch Let's see the song title, see if there's any references. No, Freddy's back. Monster Boogie? Okay. There's club style. Women ain't stupid? Wow, that's... That's a, that's a mature uh, move for... Wow, okay.
3: You totally stumped me. I, ha, where did you find this? We have our secret stashes. Beat Street Records in Vancouver where we met before. Wow. I. Wow. Ah, you totally... <laughs> <laughs> what I'd like to know, though, Questlove, about Manny Fresh, etc., and Bling, later on, he helped popularize br- Bling, didn't he? Like, who invented Bling?
4: You know what's unfortunate? Someone who's not associated with cash money actually went out and copywritten the term Bling Bling. That is why I think, you know, it's so important for hip hoppers to really be on top of their game with their business, you know what I mean? And all too often you have people you know, they cultivate a style and they originate it and then they just abandon it. I don't know, I I would have probably the smartest business story I ever heard. In 1998 uh, a young man from London actually came to America and got the rights to 21st Century Fox. So when 20th Century Fox was like, oh, damn, it's 1999. All right, let's copyright... Hmm, What do you mean? Someone... Who? What? Like, they tried every method to muscle this guy out of 21st Century Fox. They... He actually settled for very cheap. He settled for something like $800,000. A very smart guy. You know?
3: So... So, what happened with cash money and bling bling then? what would you say? Cash money are they the pioneers of bling? Um
4: I would like to say slick Rick. I mean the idea of blinging, yeah, okay, so the idea of diamonds and stuff, yeah they they popularized it. I don't know, like a lot of cats are 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 claiming first jay z claims he was wearing uh. Platinum, but when y'all thought it was silver, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, they're one of the proprietors of the term "bling bling," but I don't know if they were first to actually start rocking ice.
3: Questlove of the Roots, have you ever got involved in any beefs? Did you have a beef with Hank Williams the No, that's my man. Have you ever argued with Hank Williams the Third? Nah,
4: but he, he, he likes to get the party started though. You know. No, Hank Hank is cool. Uh the only beef we ever had uh full out was um particular artist his name is um what's his name?
3: He's not in the game anymore so it don't matter, right? No, no. Uh you ever heard this dude named Finley Quay?
4: Yeah, everyone's like <laughs> shaking the camera like, yeah, we know who Finley Quay is. Um yeah, we got it. we uh I guess we kind of ran overtime on our show in uh, Brazil, and uh, this guy saunters.
3: Questlove in action. Yeah, he saunters on stage.
2: Get the fuck off this stage.
4: So then, when my tour manager. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I like to think the Academy Yeah, so when my tour manager Sort of like tried to grab him To take him off the stage He's like, let me alone. Now. now the thing is I hire women to do You know, a majority of us Like 70, 85% of our staff is all women So, you know, he like manhandled her And um, unbeknownst to us Had we known Then it would have been on right there But as soon as we got off stage She was like, yo Y'all better go handle it This motherfucker put his hands on me What's up? And then all of a sudden, the, the world's most politically correct group of gentlemen, I mean, we just came straight out of Compton. We were just doing things that I probably can't even say on here because, uh, you know, I don't know if the statute of limitations is, is still, we beat his ass. Okay, go
3: ahead. Questlove of the Roots, winding up here again, Canadian Connections. I love the fact that Scott Storch, who is Scott Storch for the people out there that don't know, and how does his life differ from you? What's a day in the life of Scott Storch, a former Roots, Mm -hmm. versus Questlove, a modern-day Root?
4: All right, when Scott Storch wakes up in the morning, there are probably three other women in his bed with him. When I wake up in the morning um, Nine times out of ten uh, My cell phone's in hand And I realize that I fell asleep on my girl Again So usually my morning starts off with an apology Yo, did we say goodbye last night? And yeah, I fell asleep on you well, You don't have to get mad at- Fuck you too <laughs> no, I mean, that's how it is um, When Scott Storch uh, drives his car um, the the worth of it is probably my fiscal uh, year, or whatever it was for that particular year that we're in. Um, my car is a very simple, cheese box looking Scion, but there's there's a science behind that. And yeah, okay, I drive it because it's environmentally safe and all that stuff. But um, I, I found out that people leave you alone when you're not a decoy. See, I'm not one of these hip hoppers that want to advertise how much money I have. So as a result, I shop at Old Navy. I drive a Scion. You know, I, you know, there's, there's nothing uh, hip about what I'm wearing. My sneakers are free. My, my sneakers are, are top choice though. You know what I mean? Your earplugs are rad though. Thank you. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's the Russell Simmons way of doing things.
3: Actually, I like your hat too. I think that's cool.
4: Handmade. Someone made it for their grandmother and gave it to me instead. So that's how I roll. You know, I'm pretty sure right now Scott is putting $1,000 inside of a a stripper's uh, tassel right now.
3: But a bit of background, though. He started as a rooter. And Um, what is he doing now? Can you tell some of the stuff that he's been up to since The Roots, uh, since he left your band?
4: Let's see. Since The Roots, uh, he has co-produced 50 Cent, Dr. Dre... Christina Aguilera, Beyoncé, Eve, Gwen Stefani. Uh, as of now, he's given Fat Joe the two biggest songs of his career. Little Wayne. He did Riding Dirty by Chameleon So even on the, uh, the, the ringtones, like, you know, he's millions over. Um, he's pretty much the go-to guy when you want to get a beat. And, you know, he... Pretty much half the hip-hop world that's working right now comes courtesy of, you know, being associated with us.
3: It's cool that he still has some Philly connections, like hooking up with the...
4: EST. Yeah, I mean, EST and...
3: Has he called you in for any sessions at all? Were you going to be on Paris Hilton's record?
4: Uh, Let's see. I did... uh, I co-produced Lighters Up for Little Kim, which got... Um, he called me in for a Janet Jackson session. We worked on like 15 songs, but I don't know if any of those songs have made it.
3: Was uh, Janet in the room?
4: Uh, no, she wasn't in the room. Um, well, when I worked on... The, I worked on the Christina Aguilera album with him before she had fallen out with him on the new album. Uh, the album before. Um, I worked with Scott and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to get in because I have my own life of touring. That's why Scott left the roots because he didn't want to live on the road 365 days out the year so he got off the conveyor belt before you know Astro put it on 70 before you know George Justin started
3: what I think is amazing and I mentioned Canadian connections is it true that Scott Storch was born in Halifax is he a Canadian
4: he's indeed a Canadian uh, born and bred in Halifax damn you you are great man he uh, relocated I think to Philly when he was I think Florida first, and then Philadelphia when he was six. it's
3: one of the greatest producers in hip-hop today is Canadian. Yeah, like, y'all, you know, y'all got a lot to be proud of. And that's what I'd like to ask you about here, This winding up finally. I asked this to Africa Mbada, but he did not believe me. Now, first off, what do you know about this record right here? This is the foundation of hip-hop, isn't it? And the incredible bongo band.
4: Yes, the Apache break is indeed one of the most coveted, love songs in the hip-hop era, and this album also holds the distinction for being one of the first non-live band sources to be on a hip-hop record. Grandmaster Flash spun this record on the adventures of Grandmaster Flash on the wheels of steel back in 1981.
3: Total foundation of hip-hop. Now, let me put this forth. If you look closely on the very back of the record, it says thanks to Can Bay Studios Vancouver. It was recorded in Vancouver. Have you heard about this before, that the foundation of hip-hop is Canadian?
4: Wow. You got me with Manny Fresh and you got me with the incredible Bongo Band. So this was recorded here in Vancouver. It was
3: recorded in Vancouver with some session musicians from L.A., but also some local cats. Like, I met one of the drummers that played on that, and he said he's all over like a Nas beat that's on the radio. It was recorded in Vancouver.
4: Yes. I mean, pretty much everyone has used. I've even, I'm a live drummer, and I myself had to bow down and use an Apache break. Because there's something about that break. When it comes on, it just, that's like spiking the punch. It's absolutely spiking the punch.
3: I asked Africa Bombada about that, but he didn't believe that it was recorded in Vancouver. He thought I put it on there, but should, it really
4: was. You should know better. I mean, at the rate where his favorite group, Kraftwerk, was from Germany, you know, then you guys, you guys are allowed to claim something. I know that, you know, you, you guys get a little semi bad rap about certain things. I see. Ding, I said about about, uh, but pretty much, you know, we got respect for Canada. You know, where do we go when we don't want to fight a war? We'll come to Canada, and we invented hip hop. Yes, and you invented hip hop, and the conscientious objector.
3: And lastly, your quest love. Why was this record so important to you? Well, let's see. This is Headless Heroes of the Apocalypse, oh, the apocalypse. by the Genius. This is Eugene McDaniel's.
4: This man, um, he's a songwriter. He he came up with uh, Roberta Fleck Roberta Flack, and uh, Les McCann. Uh, kind of put him on. He was a he was very controversial. I know that when this album came out, um, Spiro T. Agnew, the Vice President of the United States, was none too happy about it. And Spiro T. Agnew called up uh, the well, the president of Atlantic Records, uh, the late uh, Amet Erdogan, and uh, wanted him removed from the label and effectively also had them blacklisted from playing clubs, and I mean, that was back in the days when the government had nothing else better to do but actually meddle in your business and make your life hard, but then they want you to pay taxes. I would never stop anybody from working, because I want to get taxes. Anyway, um, this is one of the most expensive records that I've ever purchased. Um, In my digging days, I think that I brought two of these albums for... One was three hundred, the other one was like four something. But this is like back in the day when the value of a record. The reason why this record is so dope is because, um, pretty much, with the exception of one song, um, everything is absolute sample material beyond your wildest dreams. Like the funkiest stuff, so funky that you could just you could play it bare without necessarily even have to use it in a, in a rap song like I listen to it just for the enjoyment but um he's a very very angry man and he just he goes against people uh there's a song Jag of the Dagger that um Tribe actually sampled it on their first album but uh the Jag of the Dagger he talks about how he felt as though Mick Jagger sort of pimped uh black music and sort of uh sort of made it his own and cashed in from the legends of his own. Um, but probably the the song that I get the most enjoyment out of playing for people and scaring the living lights out of them is the song, the last song on the album called The Parasite. Uh, whenever Thanksgiving comes around the roots do a show, I play the song and I sort of peek at the audience to see their reaction. And um, as each minute goes by, it goes from to Did you
2: just hear
4: that? What do you two, the first time I did it was at a Lauryn Hill show, and of course, you know, like we were opening for Lauryn Hill, and she has a whole conservative audience, you know, everything. Oh, see, Lauryn Hill, we're cool, we're cool, and uh, I, I turned up the volume more and more as that song got more and more offensive. It's a, it's a it's a tale of how uh, colonialism sort of destroyed America, the tales of the pilgrims and the Indians. But he's very, very descriptive, uh, very detailed on how he felt that the uh, pilgrims and the Indians sort of had an interaction, not the necessarily Thanksgiving myth that America teaches you, but really the blood that was shed. And um,
3: Where else has he showed up, sampled-wise? You mentioned Tribe Called Quest. Who else has sampled him? Uh,
4: P Rock has sampled him. Tribe Called Quest has sampled him. Common has sampled him. De La Soul sampled him. Um, a lot of, like, the period in which he was sampled. Oh, the Beastie Boys, of course. Um, get it together. See what's
2: happening.
4: That's him. Um, even though they tried to stop him, you know, he he still made a living. He wrote That's the Time, I feel like Making Love for Roberta Flack. He produced a majority of her records, so I mean, even if he was stopped, like his publishing checks alone will enable him to not start to death. But my, my tragedy was that the only tragic accident that the roots were ever in, uh, I woke up one morning. Six in the morning Driving through Denver Colorado And uh, I was sitting With my bus driver And I looked on the side Of the road And um, I saw uh, A metal Like a metal stand It was th- They're kind of random on the, on the on the road And he had to swerve to the left To avoid it And next thing I saw I saw a trap case On the floor I was like Hmm Okay And that's Drumsticks What the hell Drumsticks Like the, the slower We were driving We saw all this stuff Laid out on the road Drumsticks trunk, record, wait, was that, stop the bus, and we noticed that 10 minutes earlier, our uh, equipment trunk had turned over eight times and totally spilled the contents all over the road, so once we drove upon it, everything was salvaged, sort of, um, except for the first record that was in my record crates. And there's a big-ass gash right here. So um, ever since I lost this $300 record, I've been a total supporter of CDJ 1000s and Serato.
3: Chris Love of The Roots, anything else you'd like to add to
4: the people out there at all? Um, yes. Uh, hip-hop is not
3: dead. And... Um... Why should people care about The Roots? Why should people care? Mm, why should they not
4: care? Uh, I think that we still love our job, and it shows. And I think that people should invest any emotional weight that they have to look into a unit that still cares for their craft. I said that nice, didn't I?
3: And lastly here, Questlove of the Roots. Mm-hmm. Thanks for speaking to me, Nardwa, human serviette. Do you still feel loved by the ladies?
4: Uh, I feel loved by one particular lady, but you know, I, I, I wish that pe- that's the big myth that people have of, of certain entertainers—that you know, when they walk down the block, the sidewalk's going like the Billy Jean video, and all these things. But really, you know, one particular lady, yes. Twenty-five billion, no. Well, that fa- was a fib right there, because you know, my whole life just fell apart. But go
3: ahead. Is that the one Roots promotional item that was actually made?
4: No, I, actually, I'm, I'm holding on. Did I lose it already? Oh, no, I have it in my pocket. This is the one Roots promotional item that was ever made. I'm very, I'm very happy that someone took the initiative to, to make this uh, near-Rubik's puzzle of, of the Game Theory
3: uh, album. There's M&M condoms and Roots, and roots blocks. Rubik's cubes. Yes, Ru- roots Beck's cubes. Well, thanks so much quest love keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do
4: check check
1: Give me a hoe if you got your funky bus fare On the bus, pay your fare, then tell the driver that you're going to a double-dutch affair. Be my phone, well I'll be darned, here he comes, the double-dutch bus is on the street, you better get off the cuff. Zarbor, Bill Zary, Bill Eddie, Bill Sam, Till Zami, Phil Sarence, Bill Zombie, that's my man. Come on Get on my double Dutch bus.
3: You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, de Human Serviette Radio Show.